I think probably one of the biggest, I would say, very natural and human mistakes, so don't feel bad about this, but just something to be aware of, is that we all come into conversation with what I call listening modes, these sort of default listening modes. So what I mean by that is that's a natural kind of filter or lens that you tend to use when you listen in conversation. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell, and welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have Jimena Venguichea, who's going to be here talking about a skill that we should all be nurturing a lot more the art of listening. Listening like you mean it is the upcoming book, which is really going to help you understand why this skill is so important and why you should be using it a lot more in everyday conversation, whether it's at work, in your personal relationship, because it's really the key that's going to allow you to be able to understand others better and be able to get what you want in life as well. Now, Jimena is based in San Francisco, has been a researcher, writer, illustrator, and author, and she covers personal and professional development, productivity, technology, creativity, and work relationship. Now, her writing has been featured in Fast Company, The Muse, Washington Post, Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, amongst other publications. She's an experienced manager and mentor who's helped others grow and do their best work. A lot of her work has been done in the UX field. Companies such as Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pulse, Sonar have worked with her to consult on how are people adapting new features? Do people use the app in the ways that were expected? How do you pay attention and listen to how people use products in ways that you can design it in ways that the UX or the user experience is even better? Now, it's going to be very interesting to see how this skill has translated into how you can use this in the everyday life because listening is an important skill and we're going to talk a lot more about it. Mixpanel has named her one of women's in data and product to watch in 2018, and she's here with us to share amazing insights. Jimena, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Now, we're going to go right into it, listening like you mean it. Now, you've went on a journey where you've been doing this in the UX field, yet you've noticed the patterns around people maybe losing touch with the art of listening. It feels like we're in a world that's noisier and noisier and everyone's looking to talk. So what have you been noticing as trends in the space and why is this book so important to have today? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing here in terms of trends is just thinking about how little we generally think about listening. So if you think about particularly in the U.S., there's this very individualized culture. We often learn when it comes to communication that we should be investing in our presentation skills or how to influence others or give a good pitch or persuade. There's often not too much attention paid to the other side of the equation, which is the listening part. But of course, if you only focus on speaking, well, then, you know, you might become very good at selling something to someone, but where's the real human connection in that? And so I'm really interested in cultivating that listening side, because I think that creates so much more connection with the other person or group of people. And that's really what ultimately helps strengthen relationships and form more intimate friendships and help you collaborate better at work. I mean, there's so many benefits from it when you get down to it. Well, I'm a person who's writing a book about selling with love, right? So I love the art of selling. And I find that today's world is actually a lot of people that are trying to pitch without listening 
which just translates to noise. And it seems like the world is very noisy today. Is this a faux pas that we notice from a lot of even organizations? Like everybody's just trying to put their message out there. There's more channels to put it out there than ever. And nobody's taking the time to listen. And I'd be curious to see what happens when you took the time to listen, to be able to be better at the way that you present user designs, user experiences, et cetera. Yeah, I do think it's a generally overlooked quality in some ways similar to introversion, you know, where we kind of overlook that as a benefit. We focus a lot more on extroversion and it's sort of baked into our society on many levels, which if you've read Susan Cain's work, you know what I'm talking about. When you start to apply it in the UX lab, typically what you're looking to understand when you're listening to other people is what are their needs? What are their motivations? What are their perceptions? How does that inform their way of looking at the world, moving through the world, and ultimately using your products? So you're taking these insights about a person in order to create a better product. When you start to do that outside of the user experience lab, it's a similar process of sort of you're distilling insights about a person and using it to inform your response, deepen that connection, build that better, stronger relationship as a result. And I think in my case, there just seemed to be a little bit of a tipping point where I realized that I was a little more in tune with what was happening in the room with what I was observing of people. I could pick up on cues a little bit more easily than maybe prior to some of this training. And so that was kind of the light bulb moment for me where if you start to feel you've got almost the upper hand a little bit on something, then I thought, okay, there's something here that's really potentially powerful that could be translated for a non-UX audience. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'd be curious to know what got you motivated to really want to bring this book forward? Because I know just talking before we started recording about how much of an endeavor, how much of a process, how much time goes into putting out a book. And here you really wanted to make sure that this message about listening was being sent to the masses and being listened to. And so I'd be curious to know what are the things that you've noticed in your life that really got you inspired to want to make this book a reality? Yeah. I mean, I think so much of why I'm drawn to listening in general is just that we all have this really deep need to feel heard. It's a very human thing. And kind of what we were mentioning before of like, the world is getting noisier. And it's really easy now to feel like we are connecting because we're connected on, you know, social media and, we're on email and text message and WhatsApp. Like there's so many ways to get in touch with people. But anyone who's spent a lot of time on any of those apps knows that that doesn't necessarily make you feel connected. And so I think that was a really big driving force for me is trying to do my part to help people feel a little bit less alienated in this moment. And then sharing some of those best practices so that we can all kind of share that burden of trying to connect more with each other, right? It shouldn't be on the one person who's sort of naturally good at listening. There's probably somebody in your life, you can kind of think of that person. But I think if we all do our part, then we'll be much more successful. Well, I definitely want to get into some of the techniques I know you share about how to be better at listening. But I'd be curious to touch a bit more about what you've mentioned here, which is the technology's role in making us feel less connected or maybe making us listen less. Do you think that's been something that's been at the crux of making us less good at listening or is just something that's accelerated a natural trend that it was already there? 
I think it's probably more of a compounding issue. There's probably some part of at least some of us that wants to hear ourselves talk, right? I don't think the internet invented that instinct. You know, some people like being more the center of tension and that's fine. I think the take charge personality also always existed before the internet. So it's less that social media, I think, created this, but certainly it accelerated it or maybe it even rewarded those attitudes. It gave a voice and said, hey, keep talking or like keep trying to do this without necessarily giving an ear back. Just the way that a lot of those products are built, I think, reinforced that. I love it. I know we have a live studio audience here that are asking questions, and I'm going to go ahead and ask one that Craig has highlighted. I think is very, very important. He's talking about how when we come to listen, like how important is the medium that we use in our listening ability? Because you know, a lot of people here might be just listening to the audio version of this podcast. We have here that are watching us on video who are Mind Valley members. So, how much of the body language is necessary for us to be even better at connecting and listening in the process? Yeah, using more than one sense, I'll say, is always advantageous. So sometimes when we think of listening, we just think about hearing and our ears, and that is a great place to start, but there's so much that you can glean by also using your eyes and observing what's happening using your other senses. But I would also say that particularly in this moment where so many of us are virtual, you can do a lot with a simple phone call. Also, I think we've kind of defaulted to, hey, I have a meeting or I want to catch up with someone. Let's hop on Zoom. You know, let's do a video call. Sometimes that's great, but you can still hear so much through a phone call. You can hear people smile, right? Like that's something that you don't need to be looking at them to hear that. And so I would say if you're able to, you know, bring in observation and really get a sense for, people's body language, you know, are they open and receptive? Are they kind of closed? And what might that mean? But also things like voice and tone and pitch and cadence. If someone's speaking at a pretty deliberate clip and then all of a sudden speeds up or their pitch changes, something might've just happened there, right? So there's mm. things that even without being face-to-face, -face, you can still pick up on. Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. So I'd love to go into a bit of tactical stuff here because I know your book gives a lot of prescription and it gives a lot of insights as to what are ways we can do better and also what are the ways that we make mistakes. And I'd want to probably start with the latter. Where do you feel that most people make mistakes when it comes to listening? And you've already alluded to a few of it, such as just listening for what you want to say next. But are there a list of faux pas that we should maybe be aware of so that we can be better listeners and in such be better at connecting with people? 
Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest, I would say, very natural and human mistakes. So don't feel bad about this, but just something to be aware of is that we all come into conversation with what I call listening modes, these sort of default listening modes. So what I mean by that is that's a natural kind of filter or lens that you tend to use when you listen in conversation. In the book, I talk about several, and I'll just raise a few as examples. One is what I would call a problem-solving default listening modes. You tend to hear things if you've got that mode through the lens of a problem to be solved. Now, that is a great listening mode sometimes, right? If there's actually a problem to be solved, then boy, like you're a great partner in conversation for solving that problem. But what happens if, say, you're at work and you're a manager and you're a problem solver, you hear someone say something and you say, oh, I know how to solve that problem. What if that person was actually just giving you a status update or just sharing their progress and just trying to say, hey, I'm doing a great job. I just want you to know that, right? And we hear it as, oh, this person needs help. That's going to feel like we're micromanaging them if we start to give them advice or solutions. So that's one kind of default listening mode. And there may be others where you're more of a mediator. You kind of hear things through the lens of, let me understand every point of view in this discussion. Let me understand all of the pieces and how they fit together and try and keep harmony in the group. Again, a great and virtuous lens to be using when you're listening. But what if the other person just needs to feel validated in that moment? They just want to know that you hear their point of view. They don't need to know that you understand everybody else's point of view. The point is here, we all bring these modes in and they're all good and virtuous in certain situations, but we have to kind of gut check and ask ourselves, is that what's called for right now? Because sometimes it's not, and we may need to adapt and try one of these other modes out. That's very interesting. Humana, I feel like you might be either intuitive or you've dealt with podcast hosts before because both of those listening modes seems to be the ones that I'll typically default to. I can just think of all the disasters that have happened both in the personal and professional life whenever I would go in these modes and realize that, oh, that's not at all what this person wanted from me. And so I'm really glad you brought this up. I'm hoping I'm not the only person who's guilty of this. As you mentioned, a lot of us as humans probably have these default networks. I'd be curious to know, like, if I catch myself, what's a way for me to catch myself in that moment? Because it is a default mode, right? So even in a conversation, say with a romantic partner, I can think of the times that I've tried to step into that conversation as a problem solver, which was not at all what was needed. Should I have cues? Do you have any techniques so I can be like, oh, look at me, I'm trying to problem solve. Is this something I should notice in the other person? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of catching what's happening with you and then also paying attention to what's happening to the other person. So the first part I think is really about that self-awareness piece of identifying, okay, I know about myself that I have a tendency to go into this mode in conversation. Great, like once you have some level of awareness, it's going to stick with you and you can kind of keep reminding yourself or start to identify it when it's happening and even name it for yourself. And so that's a technique used in psychology where you just sort of name the reaction that's happening and say, oh, okay, my instinct is I want to offer solutions, but 
let me pause and see if that's called for. Now you can say that in your head or depending on the relationship, you can even say that to the other person and say, you know, I have some advice. I'm not sure if that's what you're looking for. Would it be welcome if I offered some ideas? There's many ways of kind of gut checking and asking those clarifying questions. And one of my favorites is just even at a higher level, just to ask, hey, would you like me to listen or respond? Because we often forget that sometimes all we need to do is listen. That's what's called for. It's just kind of bearing witness to the other person's experience. So if you're really not sure where to start, that's a great starting point to ask, would you like me to listen? Would you like me to respond? And then take it from there. That is a very powerful strategy. And I can just think of times that I've been in conversations when somebody would be sharing something with me and my instinct thinking that, okay, this person's looking for something for me to respond. And when I would see them continue to talk, I would be thinking, oh, is this person just trying to waste my time, especially in the workplace? So I'd be curious to know in the moments that people really just want someone to listen, can you share a bit more about what are the best benefits that come from doing that? Because I can already think of the consequences that have happened in the times that I've behaved that way, which is the person that was working with me has transferred to another team. I don't think I found myself being the best manager for that person in those times. But could you share more about what are the benefits that happen when you really take the time to just listen in those moments that that's all that is needed? Yeah, I think when you're able to do that, it can be uncomfortable and a little bit awkward because we're not necessarily used to doing that. But when you're able to do that, generally what you're doing in that process is you're creating space for the other person to share their experience. And generally what happens is you get to know them better. You learn something about them in the process, even if you don't totally understand it at first, maybe there's something that you even follow up on to try and understand that person better. When we create that space for other people, we open it up to hearing what their experience is and creating a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of trust. And when someone feels like they can be themselves around you and share what they're experiencing with you, that builds that trust. And that then gives you a chance to do that too. The point in the end is not to listen so hard that you never say anything because you're too busy listening, right? Like <laughs> it's not a monologue. It's still a conversation, but I call that a listening loop where you're kind of building on one person is being vulnerable. The other person is demonstrating that they understand them by listening, by creating that space. And it sort of feeds on itself and you can each then partake in that listening loop. I wanted to switch gears here and talk about, you know, those moments where you meet new people and there's always these awkward silences. There's sometimes it's kind of hard to break the walls. Do you have any advice and does it come back to listening whenever you're meeting new people? So are there tips that we can use to build better rapport or at least make a better impression whenever we meet people for the first time? Yes. One big thing is bringing curiosity into conversation. So there's this misconception that when you're meeting new people in particular, you'll draw them in if you seem interesting. But actually what research shows is that people are most drawn to people who seem curious, who are interested <laughs> rather than <laughs> interesting, right? And so I would say that's a great place to start is trying to get to know the other person and demonstrating that curiosity, particularly doing that with what I call connecting questions. So think about questions that are open-ended rather than close-ended questions that someone can answer in one word or in a yes or no. 
it's going to be hard to go very far in that conversation if you keep giving those kinds of questions. If you can keep things more expansive and more open-ended, you're likely to go someplace more interesting. Mm, I like that. It also brings me to the other side of the spectrum. You know, you talk about how being more interested is so much more effective than being interesting. And I've seen this work wonders, like, it's so funny. I just remember going to events where I go and meet people and all I do is ask questions as a podcast interviewer. That seems to be what I do naturally. And I'll leave that conversation where that person wouldn't have asked a single thing about me. They would have only talked about themselves. And the feedback that I get is like, wow, Jason's so interesting when I haven't shared a single thing about myself. So I've seen that in action. But I also wanted to talk about, you know, at the hyper level of this expression, which is there's those people that truly don't listen. They love talking. All they do is just share stories and you almost feel like it's a task to listen to them. And, you know, even in the workplace, you'll have these colleagues that just always are talking. It seems like it's wasting your time. It's exhausting. It takes away your limited energy in a day. Are you still supposed to just listen because that's the right thing to do? Are there things that you should be doing to kind of correct that? Is there something wrong going on? What's the situation here? Yeah, I think we can all think of these people in our lives. I call them takers. So these are people who tend to take more than they give in return. It is an act of generosity to listen to someone. And I think in some ways, because it's so rare to really truly have someone listen to you, when we get that, when we get a taste of it, we want more of it. And so oftentimes this group of people, they're not doing it on purpose. They may not even realize that they're doing it. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we probably all have some moments where we're the takers in a given conversation. It's a pretty natural and human response. There's two things to kind of keep in mind in terms of how you manage it. One is, is this a relationship that I need to maintain? (laughs) So is this a colleague that I need to play nice with or some other person in my life who, even if I wanted to just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't. And the other is what can I learn here in this moment? There are techniques for extricating yourself gracefully from a conversation or for changing a conversation topic to try and kind of reel it back in. But ultimately, I think what's important is to think about the balance that you have in your life. If everyone you're talking to is a taker, that's going to be very draining. And I would say it's probably worth reevaluating why you're in those kinds of relationships, what's drawing you to those people and seeking some kind of balance with what I would call the energizers in your life. And those are the people who always bring their listening chops and they make you feel seen and heard and understood. And if you do have something closer to balance, well, then it really is about managing those few taker relationships in your life. And that can mean trying to understand like, where does this rambling instinct come from? Or why are they spinning tails? What does this actually tell me about the other person? And maybe there's some useful information for you there that's going to help you work better with that teammate in the future because you know that about them or you kind of know what's driving it. So getting a little bit curious about the behavior I think can be helpful Sometimes you're running late or you're having a bad day or whatever, and you've reached your limit. In those cases, it really is better to gracefully bow out and say, this has been great, but I've got to run or whatever your version of that is. 
because people can generally tell when we're not paying attention. And so rather than kind of grit your teeth and just steal yourself and sit through it, it's better to just say, you know, I'm feeling kind of low energy. So let's pick this up tomorrow or whatever that may be. Yeah. Cause I guess if you're just in that mode of forcing yourself, you're not even given the true art of the listening. So you're not even giving whoever that taker is looking for. So in essence, you're just wasting time, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Jimena, this has been a fantastic conversation and I'm looking at our Q&A and there's a ton of people that have amazing questions they want to ask. I want to always give a reminder to our podcast listeners that if you become a Mind Valley member, you can actually join these live conversations and we always have extra segments of Q&As. Just go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman to find out more. For those of you who want to go deep into this topic, listen like you mean it. The book just came out, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. Jimena has done a fantastic job presenting a ton of ideas that are happening when it comes to our default modes. We talk about how the world is getting so much more noisier and we want to be able to nurture this idea of listening. We are losing some of that true connection that a lot of us are feeling more lonely than ever. Social media is not necessarily what is to blame, but it has definitely created a compound effect, as Jimena has mentioned, so that we are seeing the effects of this to be amplified so much more. So how do you get back into this listening mode? How does that serve you to be truly connected, to actually see that people are like, wow, you're so interesting, when really it's because you're showing that you are interested as a such better strategy whenever you're trying to communicate with bosses, colleagues, and any other person within your personal and professional life. I think this is a lost art. I think everybody who nurtures this makes them better, whether they're in a partnership with a marriage or a partner, if you want to be a coach, if you are a podcast host, as myself. I know the art of listening is something I'm always trying to nurture more. So it's such a fantastic conversation to be able to have. Go and pick up the book. It's going to be available on all platforms, including Audible. We're going to make sure there's a link in the show notes. And for everybody tuning in, thank you so much for coming back and listening to this podcast. I hope you got some great ideas from today. Jimena, thank you so much for coming here and sharing. This was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.